0: And I'm Rachel. We're the creators of Plant School.
1: Rachel's going to be teaching me, a plant novice, everything I need to know about plants, plant care, and gardening, all in a way that anyone can understand.
0: Yeah, whether you have never touched a plant or you consider yourself an expert and you want to just learn more, this podcast is for you. And though it sounds simple, there's actually a lot to cover.
1: So what are you waiting for? Join Join us in plant Plant School. Hey everyone! Welcome to episode forty of Plant School. Today we're going to be talking about ferns and how to take care of them. Um, all I know about ferns is where the red fern grows.
0: Yeah, a, yeah. Uh,
1: heart, heart pulling, heart wrenching book. book and movie. Um, so, Rachel, what is a fern? What makes the red ferns in that movie a fern?
0: Um, yeah. So a fern is a flowerless plant doesn't produce any flowers and it has these kind of like feathery or leafy fronds and they reproduce by spores since they have no flowers.
1: So it's any flowerless plant with feathery. What's a frond?
0: A frond is just, it's leaf. Um, um, they're not called leaf. So they're called fronds.
1: So it's, it's a leafy leaf, a um, leafy frond.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, You know, that's a really good question of why they're called fronds instead of leaves. Let's look up the definition of frond.
1: Frond is a leaf or leaf like part of a palm, fern, or other similar plant. So it's a leaf. So it's, (laughs) yeah,
0: it's specific to palms, ferns, or something similar.
1: Okay. So, you kind of just have to know what a fern looks like to know.
0: What a frond is. (laughs) I feel like most people, though, know what a fern looks like, right? Yeah, It's such a popular plant.
1: Yeah, hard hard to describe in a podcast.
0: Yeah, it is. And also, before we dive in, I want to mention that this podcast episode, I've had quite a few people reach out needing help with their ferns. And so if you ever have a plant that you need help with or something you just want to know more about, you can always reach out to me. You can reach out on Instagram at Plants. You can reach out to our email, TinnyPlants at gmail. And chances are like we will cover it for you. And so don't ever be scared to reach out because the reason why we're doing this episode is because people um reached out to me.
1: We're nice. We like to think we're nice. We're
0: we're pretty nice.
1: (laughs) Um, What are, back to ferns, what are the (laughs) bumps on the underside of the leaf?
0: Of their fronds.
1: Of their fronds. I'm just
0: kidding. Yeah, so if you've ever had a fern, you'll notice they have these brown little bumps on the underside of their leaves, depending on what type you have. And I also should mention, we're mostly talking about uh, ferns like Boston fern, maidenhair fern, uh, sword ferns. The ones that are very, I don't know, very, uh, what's the word? Not leafy, frondy. (laughs) Um, Basically, I'm just not talking about staghorn ferns um, in this podcast. Ferns, there's so many of them. But just know that I'm talking about those kind of basic ones um, like maidenhair or Boston ferns. That you'll find probably at your uh, your hardware store. So, anyways, underside of their leaves, there's those bumps. And those are little – that's where the spores reside. They're little casements that hold spores. So, I'm going to kind of dive in to why – what they do. Is that okay, Sam? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so – their spores, this is how they reproduce, right? And there's two stages to it. So the fern that you have in your home, that is the second phase of its life cycle. So we're going to dive into the first phase because it's not something you really get to see because it's so small. The spores, underside of those leaves, they um, they will fall to the ground when they are ready and they will start this first phase. The fallen spore grows into a prothallus. I know it's kind of a funny word, but it's basically just a heart-shaped uh, mass that has root-like anchors, so it kind of digs in to wherever it has fallen on the ground. It keeps it in place against wind or water, and there are really tiny scale-like sex organs on the prothallus. So these, yeah, these spores grow into the prothallus, and this is where it reproduces, uh, both, there's both male and female reproductive sex organs on those little scales, and when water is present, those little sperm cells are able to swim over and find egg cells on the prothalus, um, which is really cool. So it needs water to reproduce. Once it has successfully been fertilized, the prothallus just kind of stops reproductive activities, and it starts differentiating its cells, become roots, become a stem, the leaves, and that's what's called a sporophyte. So it's kind of like a little baby fern is a sporophyte. Mm. And then once it grows into an adult, there's no more sex organs. There's just those spores um, once it is a mature plant. And this can take, this whole life cycle can take up to one month, or it can go up to two to three years. It just depends on the type of fern.
1: Okay. Cool, huh? Yeah. So, Rachel, how did ferns end up in our homes as
0: houseplants? Yeah, this is a good question. I'm gonna dive into the history, which is my favorite you tricked part. Me. I tricked you. So, they are prehistoric plants. And Sam, I haven't mentioned this, um, but I honestly think after getting into the history of ferns and what they do, I think I have found a new favorite plant. Really? Really. I just...
1: More than a peace lily and a bonsai. Oh,
0: yeah. They're just so interesting to me. So I'm so glad we're doing this podcast because I think this is my new favorite. I hope you guys enjoy it too because I really love learning about it. So they're very prehistoric plants. They're one of the oldest groups of plants on earth. Fossil records date them back to the middle Devonian period, which is about 383 to 393 million years ago. The earliest ferns that started, they've now gone extinct. Modern ferns that you see now, they're pretty new and they've developed in the past 70 million years. That's new (laughs) with like Earth's timeline, right? Um, But there is one fern, it's called the Osmunda claytoniana, and it's an example of evolutionary stasis. This just means that it literally has not changed um, for about 180 million years. So even its DNA from today, when you compare it to the fossilized DNA that they found, it's exactly the same, which blows my mind. So that's one example of a fern that has stayed the same for longer. Um, but, anyways, there's about uh, 10,500 living species of ferns. There are so, so many of them. Um, and it's very interesting because I just explained to you guys how they reproduce, right? Those, those little spores eventually grow into sporophytes into your. Big old fern, but we actually didn't understand how that worked until about the nineteenth century. It's not very long ago. And it just because they don't flower, they use spores. we we couldn't see what they were up to. Um, this led ancient people to believe that ferns had special powers. They thought that they could grant you the power and in, of invisibility because, they seem to have some sort of invisible seed that just let them sprout up. So that's kind of interesting. And so they really started to get popular in the Victorian era. There was a craze of fern collecting. They actually have a name for it. It's called Teradomania. And yeah. you can see fern motifs on decorative art from paper to sculptures to even gravestones like everything people just loved ferns and it started when gardeners would go into local forests to gather them and then soon fern gathering day was this huge major event where they would have picnics and do it the whole day um a lot of victorian women loved to do this so nearly every victorian home had a fern, wealthier people collected very exotic ferns. There was a very popular Victorian era era novelist named Charles Kingley. And he he really thought that it was some pathological thing and thought women would be healthier if they were preoccupied with novels and gossip and not collecting ferns. He thought it was like a sickness. The- These women would go out and collect ferns. I think that's kind of sexist. I don't know, Charles Kingley. I don't think you do too well today. (laughs) But anyways, their popularity has kind of leveled out. Of course, we don't go have fern gathering parties, although that does sound pretty fun. Um, But I would say they've remained popular just because they're very versatile. They're really fun looking and, um, you know, they can handle your houses, and it's just remained a really great house plant that people have loved.
1: Hmm. He might have been onto something, I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't you start?
1: Uh, I'm just kidding.
0: You're gonna get canceled.
1: I'm joking. <laughs>
0: Gosh. no, I know.
1: Um, are there any uh folklore surrounding ferns?
0: Yeah, so. I mentioned how people thought it could turn them invisible, yeah, right? Yeah,
1: that's crazy to me that people <laughs> – it'd be cool.
0: It would be cool. I think everyone
1: would own a fern. Oh,
0: especially yeah. Especially introverts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like people had some silly ideas when trying to explain science. Um, it seems silly to us now, but back then it probably made sense.
1: It makes sense to me.
0: <laughs> so – Yeah. Some of the folklore in England, they believe that if you burned fronds of ferns, it would make it rain. It was believed- I understand that. (laughs) Yeah. It was believed that travelers could become confused and lose their way if they stepped on too many ferns. And if you put a frond under your pillow, it could help you dream of a solution to a perplexing, uh, perplexing. What am I saying?
1: Perplexing.
0: A perplexing. Thank you. Perplexing problem. I wish that could happen. That would be awesome. Maybe I'll stuff some under my pillow tonight. Yeah, these
1: don't seem so far fetched when we're we grew up in a generation where we thought if we stepped on a crack, we'd break our mom's back.
0: So, True. True. I
1: mean, yeah.
0: You know. I guess everyone kind of has their little, yeah. <laughs> little things they do. Um, They also believe hanging dried fronds of ferns would protect everyone from lightning and thunder. There's kind of a rain theme going on here. And then also, as I mentioned, it was believed that if you carried the seeds of a fern, which the spores, they don't have like actual seeds um, in your pocket, you could have the special power of invisibility.
1: They have to be in your pocket, though. Yeah. You can't be holding it or it can't be in a purse or a a wallet. It has to be in your pocket.
0: Yeah, but those are just a few of them. They're kind of interesting. I wish, well, maybe some of them are true. Maybe we should test them out.
1: So, Rachel, you got a book that talks about the secret language of plants, right? Are there any symbolic meanings of fern?
0: Yeah, so ferns, they symbolize protection. They symbolize rain. They can symbolize confusion, wealth there's four four different things (laughs) so those
1: those aren't and you make it rain with your wealth (laughs) and you're confused on how you got that wealth
0: yeah i feel feel very protected it's like a mix of (laughs) cultural meanings going on here
1: (laughs) i don't see how any of those connect and how it could mean all four of those yeah
0: i don't know if they do connect you just choose one and go with it
1: all right. So we've learned a little bit about ferns and what they are. So let's learn about how to take care of them. Since Rachel, I'm assuming you're going to want to get one since now it's your favorite. It's your I, favorite house plant. I
0: want to get them all.
1: So <laughs> let's make sure you know how to take care of it. How much right. water does a fern need?
0: All right. So ferns love moisture. They love humidity. If you've owned one, you probably know that. So It's very recommended to use a humidifier or to use a pebble tray. Um, You can mist them every few days, although it's recommended you do not mist them every single day. This is because sitting water on plant leaves can cause uh, different fungal growth. It can cause uh, leaf spots. So... Don't mist it every day, but you can every once in a while. I'm a big fan of using pebble trays cause that can raise the humidity for a long period of time where it's misting only for a few minutes. And if you notice your fronds are starting to die back all over or they're starting to turn yellow, this could be a sign of not getting enough water or the air is too dry or it's by a heat source. So you kind of want to keep it cool. And you, it really needs, like, enough water or it, it won't be happy. So I would say keep the soil moist but not wet. Uh, you want you don't want to let it go dry between waterings. A lot of plants do like that, but the fern is not one of those. So don't let it just dry out. It will stress out the plant. Just keep the soil moist. So you can water it generously until it drains out the bottom. When I, so when I worked at a greenhouse, we'd go around my university's campus and water plants. We had a ton of ferns in one building and we were there every single week, like dump and water on those guys. And they did great. They had a lot of indirect sunlight coming in. So I would say always just check the soil. But in general, it might be around one week that you are ending up having to water them to keep their soil moist. And if you'd like, you can even have a layer of moss that can kind of help hold the moisture in your soil if you live in a really dry area.
1: Okay. What soil is best for ferns?
0: So most ferns, they grow in forests or woodlands, so they need really rich soil that's free-draining, Um, having peat or some sort of moss or sand mixed in is ideal. So you can buy fern mix, like just pre-made, makes it really easy. Or you can make your own and mix in the peat and the sand um, and moss yourself. Poor peat. Not that kind of peat.
1: (laughs) Where should you put a fern in your house so it can get sunlight?
0: Yeah, so they do particularly well in bathrooms due to the high humidity when assuming you're showering.
1: Assuming you take hot showers.
0: Yeah, assuming you shower at <laughs> all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they do appreciate good indirect sunlight. Direct sunlight will burn them, so Please don't put them directly in the sun.
1: Just imagine them catching on fire just (laughs) from sitting in the sun like a magnifying glass.
0: (laughs) Just combust. Yeah. That would be terrifying, especially if it's in your shower. Yeah. Showering and... (laughs) At least you're in the shower
1: and you can put it out.
0: True. True. So if you notice your fronds are starting to turn pale, um, it could be that they are getting too much sun and also too little sun will cause poor growth or yellowing fronds. So, pale fronds, it needs more sun. Yellowing or little growth, it... Wait, what did I say?
1: Uh, Little sun will cause poor growth,
0: you said? Yeah, okay, I said that backwards. Pale fronds, put it in a more dark spot. And if it has yellow fronds or poor growth, it needs a brighter spot okay yes there we go
1: brighter pale darker
0: yeah there you go
1: okay fronds mean leaves
0: (laughs) yes you got (laughs) it sam
1: (laughs) okay what kind of fertilizer what's the best fertilizing practices
0: yeah so fertilize once a month in summer and fall use a 10-10-10 fertilizer or 15-15-15, some, something just around there. I have a 10-15-10 and that will work fine as well. Um, again, in case you haven't been listening to the podcast, these numbers are simply referring to the nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Those are three macronutrients that every fertilizer has and it will list those numbers hopefully right on the front. Most of them do just to let you know the percentage of active ingredients in your fertilizer. So that's kind of the range you want it in. Um, Pale fronds, again, they could be a sign of needing to be fertilized. So you don't fertilize ferns that you've just divided or repotted for about six months just because these ferns will be stressed out um, and don't need to be fertilized. Just as a note, if you have one that's new, you can lay off for about six months until it's going to need anything.
1: Okay. How do you keep a fern looking nice?
0: Yeah, so they are kind of a little bit messy plants. So you can remove any dead fronds. Fronds will die back naturally over time. It's not a big deal if you have one die, um, if it's one of the older ones. And um repot it in the spring if the roots have filled the pot if they're coming out of the bottom that's a sign that it's ready to be repotted and if it's not ready to be repotted you can refresh it by taking off the top layer of soil and replacing it with fresh compost that's just a common practice that you can do with any plant really um if it's not ready to be repotted you can kind of freshen it up by doing that but yeah if you kind of like comb through your fern you can get a lot of dead stuff off you can just clean that up and um it should be fine that's what that's what i would do um with those same ferns that were hanging out in the building on our campus we would kind of comb through them, let all those like dead pieces fall off and we just vacuum them up
1: awesome um what pests are ferns prone to grown to (laughs) why are they prone to
0: Yeah, so they're prone to scale, mealybug, spider mites. If you are dealing with something like mealybug or spider mites, you can use neem oil. Ferns don't respond very well to like really heavy insecticides. So I would say try and use something more natural. You can spray them off really well. Um, You can wipe them off. You can use neem oil if you have another natural insecticide that you love. You can try that too, but just don't use something too too crazy too chemically um the fern won't do super great with it
1: okay um i think this is our last question that we're gonna go over so how would you propagate a fern
0: yeah so there's multiple ways i'm gonna start with the simple way um yeah i'm smiling because I'm excited for the complicated way because I think it's really cool, but I don't know if Sam is. So simple way you can divide them since most ferns, they have rhizomes. Those are just underground roots. Um, An example of those that do have rhizomes are a sword fern, Boston fern, maidenhair fern. So because of that, you can simply divide them like just what the word means. You can Uh, pull them or split them apart, and put them in separate pots, and then you have two ferns. Others, they can reproduce by bulblets, uh, specifically the bulblet fern or the soft shield fern. So they will produce these bulblets along the leaf surface or leaf tips, and you can remove those and produce a new plant. And so complicated way, we kind of talked about this with how ferns reproduce, and you can kind of, um, what's the word? Do this on your own. You can manipulate it. That's the word. Manipulate it on your own to create a new fern if you really want to try it, which I do. I think (laughs) I might try this. (laughs) So you can collect the spores from the spore cases on the underside of your fronds, and then... uh, You're going to have to examine them um, under a microscope if if you have one. This will just help you have a greater success rate. You don't have to do this. But if you do have a microscope hanging around, which I do, you can look at it's called sporangia. And you can be sure that they are ripe and not empty. Sporangia are what hold the egg cells. So... Anyways, if you want to get into it, you can look up what a sporangia looks like. So then you are going to place the fronds with the ripe spores. You've looked at them under the microscope. You know that they're good. So you're going to get a frond with those spores. And you're going to put it in a manila envelope and let it just sit and dry for a week at like 70 degrees Fahrenheit, somewhere around there. And then once those spores have fallen off, you can kind of see them on the manila envelope you are going to try your best to spread them evenly on top of sterilized moist substrate by substrate i mean like peat moss or a perlite mix um and by doing that well uh a note i should say that the sterilized substrate that you're putting on it is a very key part of it it needs to be clean if you have other fungal growth on there, it will kill the spores of your fern. So anyways, once you've done that, you cover it with glass about one inch above the substrate and you keep it moist with distilled water, not your tap water. And then from there, the spores will germinate like we talked about with those little uh, sperm cells going over to the egg cells. It will produce a moss-like growth and those will need to be fertilized. Those are the, oh, what are they called, Sam? I just talked about them way up there at the beginning of our... The... Oh, prothallus. Oh. Were uh, you going to say that? No, I
1: was not going to say that.
0: <laughs> so that's, the moss-like growth is the prothallus, and um, it needs to be fertilized by the movement of free water, like we talked about. And then... Small leafy sporophytes will start to appear again this takes about 1 month, 2 to 3 months somewhere in 3 months you can start to see these sporophytes growing and then you can take them and transfer them all by themselves for further growth into a mature fern. Sounds pretty crazy. I, it's not as complicated as it seems. It's basically gathering spores Putting them on a substrate like um, a moss perlite mix, and then making sure they have a lot of water so they can germinate and grow. That's Hmm. basically it. But it it just sounds cool. Just sounds cool. Yeah.
1: We'll have to get you one so you can try it out. (laughs) Well, we appreciate all of you listening to another episode. Can't believe we've done 40.
0: I know. It's almost been a year of this podcast already.
1: We're resilient. We are. Yeah.
0: Here, Yeah. Go us. Go, <laughs> Go us. us. 40
1: episodes. Um, so we have 40 listens to our podcast, Your Mom. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that would be sad. Yeah. Luckily, we have great listeners like you who keep us going, send us sweet messages, and it, we really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. You can send us chocolate, too. We like that.
0: How would they do that? They don't have our address. I don't know. Via Gmail.
1: Yeah. Or Instagram. (laughs) Anyways, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.
0: Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow our podcast on Anchor, Spotify, or Pocket Cast. Also, you can follow us at Plants on Instagram, Pinterest, or YouTube.
1: Once again, that's Tenny Plants, T E N N E Y, Plants. If you have any questions or suggestions for future podcast episodes, email us at tennyplants at gmail.com. Or if you're on YouTube, go ahead and comment below and don't forget to like and subscribe. See you next time.